right today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining. Earlier this month, the U.S. government revealed that the country's population is growing at the slowest rate in nearly a century. But why? And how does that impact America's future? We've got two people joining us to answer these questions and more. But before we dig in, I also really want to invite you into this conversation. Are you somebody who's considering having children? Have you decided to delay or completely forego the idea of starting a family? What are the factors that influence your decisions around that choice? Is it student loans? Is it climate change? Is it maybe even the precarity of life amid a pandemic? Give us a call and tell us where you are when it comes to having kids, starting a family. And joining me now for this discussion is Sabrina, Sabrina Tavernisi. She is the New York Times national correspondent who covers demographics and the lead writer for the Times on the census. She recently took a deep dive into the implications of the declining birth rate in the U.S., and she's here to talk with us about her piece on this really complex issue. Sabrina, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much. And we're also joined by Allison Gemmel. She is assistant professor in the Department of Population, Family, and Reproductive Health at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. She's a trained demographer who specializes in fertility, reproductive health, and aging. Professor Gemmel, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Great to be here. Okay, so this slowdown of U.S. population growth has a lot of different moving parts. Before we get into the details of the current picture, Sabrina, can you tell us how today lines up with historic population trends in the United States? So if you think back um, basically to the 1930s when there was a big financial crash and economic decline, that was the last time that births and the birth rate had gone way, way down. But what happened and what tends to happen after economic crises is that, you know, a couple of years after the crisis happens and the economy starts to pick back up, so does the birth rate. So that's what demographers were expecting when the birth rate declined pretty sharply in 2008 during the financial crisis, uh, most recent financial crisis, um, the Great Recession. You know, it had gone down, it went down, it went down a number of years. And the strange thing about this time was that it kept going down. It didn't pop back up once the economy started to improve. So that was what set demographers off on the path of uh, trying to solve this mystery. Why is the birth rate continuing to go down, even though the economy has gone back up? Mm. And what's the answer to that? So the answer is a a bunch of... uh, The answer is not conclusive, I will say that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The answer is still kind of uh, under investigation, um, and Professor Gemmel uh, has a lot of ideas about it and has studied it very closely. My, uh, my understanding, after talking to Professor Gemmel and a number of other experts, is that what is happening right now is that lots of women in their early, mid, and even late 20s are delaying childbirth. And we don't yet know whether they are going to forgo having children altogether. But what we do know is that women in their early and mid-20s who, you know, even 10 years ago had been having um, one or two children by then have not had those children. 
And, you know, and, the, and, and this is very different from, say, 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, in 1991 was the peak of teen pregnancy, if you remember that, you know, this sort of public health scourge that, that all of these, um, you know, many public health experts were trying to warn against. Um, you know, teen pregnancy was soaring. Well, now teen pregnancy, teen pregnancy since 1991 has is declined by uh, more than three quarters. So really, it's gone way, way down. Births, um, far fewer births to teenagers and far fewer births to women in their early 20s. And so that is the puzzle. Why is that happening? What's going on? Is it that women feel like it's too expensive to have a child? Or is it that women feel like maybe I want to wait, have more education? Uh, and that, you know, that can, that, that, it could be a, a good news story that mm-hmm. women have more agency. They mm-hmm. have more control over their fertility, and they decide to delay until, say, their 30s to have a baby. Mm. Uh, Professor Gemmel, I want to I want to get you involved in the conversation here. Uh, we saw a decline in 2008 uh, around the financial crash. Of course, uh, that had an impact on birth rates. Uh, but is, is that what we're seeing the effects of now that we didn't really recover? from that crash? Or is is this about something bigger than that? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think that what the Great Recession did is it it somehow shifted um, people's ideas about having families and when to have them. Um, Some of that is because, of course, of economic precarity. But even though um, by by our standards of, you know, the unemployment rate improved and, and housing market improved, et cetera, I think there's still this general... Um, air of uncertainty that clouds a lot of people's decision-making about about having children. So certainly um, what Sabrina said, um, she hit the nail on the head. It's it's definitely a large or a large portion of this is people waiting to have kids. But I will say that in some of the research that I've done, we're also seeing a drop in people's intentions for children, which is really interesting. We haven't, in the U.S., we've seen this, this stable intention for at least two children, Um, And we're seeing a drop of about 0.1 children. And while that sounds small, it's definitely substantial for for demographers. This is not something we've seen in the U.S. before. We're also seeing among younger people um, a growing number of of women who say they intend to remain childless. It's still small, but it's there. So something larger is going on. So what are the things we should have our eyes on and maybe be concerned about, I guess, about this bigger thing that's going on. And I guess the the, the fundamental question is, is it necessarily a problem that birth rate is declining and people are choosing to to do things other than, than have kids? Is it something we should be concerned about? Right. So the concern is that while while delaying fertility is a good thing in that people can get more education, they can establish their careers, et cetera, the concern is that maybe they're going to have fewer children than they want. And that's not a good thing, right? We want to ensure that people can achieve their fertility goals. And if those constraints are related to economic barriers or to other types of um, or concerns, um, then we should we should work to address those. And so that that's that's the problem or that's the downside. But by and large, I do think you know the the drops in teen pregnancy um, are are a good thing, and we're also seeing drops in unplanned births, 
we think that women are using highly effective contraceptive methods that maybe they weren't using 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So that's also another good thing. People have more control over their reproductive lives. Mm. Uh, again, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter and put comments there and we'll work into the conversation. We already have a lot of social media comments and I'll get to those uh, in a bit. Uh, I do want to take a call here from Jennifer in Lake Orion who has uh, a point that I think is absolutely uh, right in the the wheelhouse of where we're talking right now. Jennifer, Welcome to Detroit Hi. today. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Okay, so um, I've been following this story for a little while, and um, I'm infertile, and I had to use um, assisted reproductive art to conceive my child, and um, I, the infertility rate is really skyrocketing right now. Like mm. Some estimates are as, as high as one in six pe- people or couples. <clears throat> And also, access to fertility treatment was really restricted during the pandemic. Um, a lot of fertility doctors were not willing to help women and couples get pregnant during this time because they were worried about, you know, the potential complications um, and, like, a risk to the fetus. So um, I'm really amazed. Like, every story I've read has not at all talked about infertility, and I just I don't understand why that is. It's like they haven't even thought about it, but mm. I really think that's a huge contributing factor that nobody's talking about. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer, I really appreciate the call and uh, you injecting that perspective into the conversation. Uh, Professor Gamel, I'll, I'll, I'll start with yeah. you in responding. Sure. So thanks, Jennifer, for sharing your experience. I actually study infertility a lot, and I, I do think it's an important issue to raise. I do want to note that one in six estimate come, is, a, is an estimate of potentially lifetime experiences of infertility. And it's interesting, the, to measure whether infertility is increasing over time is a very difficult thing to do, and we haven't yet detected a substantial increase. That said, as more women delay having kids, especially if they start having their first births in their mid to late 30s, then certainly we're going to see this become more of an issue. Um, But right now, the mean age at childbearing of first births in the U.S. is still 27 years old, which is um, young uh, in in terms of infertility risk. So um, I I take the point. It's very valid. Hmm. Uh, Sabrina Tavernisi, I wonder if you have uh, uh, thoughts about what Jennifer's talking about here. Yeah, I guess the one thing I would add, Professor Gemmel is really the expert on this. I mean, the when you look at the overall rates of, of, of age groups, mm-hmm. um, and, and Jennifer, again, like I really take your point, it is, there's a lot of it going on out there, so it feels big, right? Um, but just sort of population level-wise, um, the older age groups, uh, you know, ages kind of uh, sort of mid to late 30s and even early 40s, the birth rate for those groups has actually been rising since 2008. So that's the only part of the, you know, the, pop, the, the childbearing population in the United States that has not seen a decline in the birth rate. Mm-hmm. Now, part of that is because, you know, women, you know, it's, it's a change from years past when women, you know, it was much rarer for a woman in her 40s or in her late 30s to have, uh, to have a child. Um, we've, you know, the, the, the childbearing age has shifted later. And so, you know, on a population level, you're seeing that that increase for um, the later 30s 
in part because you know it's a, it, it, it's such a it, it's a change from from what what was what came before yeah yeah uh, I'm going to read a couple of social media comments here Ted says climate change and having access to communities where the streets are safe uh, and it's not uncommon to walk and bike around I think those are things that he's uh, saying are giving him pause I guess about starting a family. Lindsay on Twitter says, don't want to have kids because of climate change and the environmental stressors of billions of people on earth, but I am open to adoption. Uh, Brian says, housing, hard to have a family without the bedrooms to house them in. Uh, Let's go to Julia in Madison Heights. Julia, what's on your mind? Hey. Hi. Um, yeah, I, I definitely am enjoying this conversation. I think it's an important one. Um, I'm in my early to mid-20s, and I intend to have children. Um, and, you know, my main reason for not doing that right now immediately is just recently graduated college and began my career. And I think a lot of women in my age range would relate to me that, you know, I want to make sure that I'm stable in my career and where I want to live and not have my children move around constantly and not have the things they deserve because their mom and dad are in debt. So um, there's, there's that. But And then with the comments you are just reading about climate change, I think that, you know, I want to have children more for that reason to teach them and pass on my knowledge and, like, my passion for preventing climate, like, you know, global warming and, and making it a safer place for our kids. They also have a part to play in that with the things that we can teach them. So mm. I do think it's important for, you know, people to continue to have children, obviously. Right, right. Uh, Julia, I really, really appreciate the, the call and, and the thoughts. Uh, Sabrina, her, her call reminds me of uh, part of what you wrote, uh, where you said early in the pandemic, there was speculation that the major changes in the life of American families could lead to a recovery in the birth rate as couples hunkered down together. In fact, the virus appeared to have uh, the opposite effect. And and Julia's call kind of reminds me that, again, these are big picture kind of systemic issues that are that are causing people to to wait longer. Right. They are social factors and economic factors that uh, that even stood up to to the tremendous disruption of the pandemic. That's exactly right. And, and, and if you think about the pandemic, you know, it wasn't just the, the 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 virus, but it was also an economic collapse. Right. The businesses locked down. People lost their jobs. Unemployment was skyrocketing. I mean, those are precisely the things that we know by history and in the past have always led to well, have usually led to birth rate declines. So it wasn't particularly surprising that, you know, the trend that had been going since 2008 kind of only intensified and hardened during the pandemic. I mean, yes, you're right that there was some speculation that maybe this might kind of sort of uh, jolt the American public out of this kind of decline mode. But but it didn't. In fact, it only it only intensified that. And I like Julia's I like Julia's thinking um, and just sort of how she's thinking about her life, because I think. This is something that's happening more and more that you used to have, say, 10, 20 years ago, you know, young women who were college bound and going to college and graduating from college were more often the ones who would be waiting until their late 20s or early 30s to have their first child. But now 
it seems, and this is kind of really a theory at this point, um, we're sort of trying to kind of um, uh, investigate this more, but it seems that this uh, delay has spread to really all corners and all parts of the American population. Mm. So it used to be, you know, confined to sort of... Um, uh, say, uh, you know, women from, from um, college, you know, college, college graduates. And now um, it's really kind of um, much more broad. So that's, that's very interesting, right? Because that's a, that's a big population level change mm-hmm. that tells us, you know, something's going on. And perhaps it has more to do than with, uh, it has more than just, it's more about than just the economy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about the declining birth rate here uh, in our country. And we want to continue to hear from you about how you're thinking about whether to have a family, whether to start a family. Is that something you want to do? Is that something you want to do now? Is it something that you feel like you have to delay until you are on firmer economic ground or have achieved more? in your career. Call and tell us uh, how you think of these things. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, the comments there, and we'll try to work you in. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. I'm glad you've joined us. My guests are Sabrina Tavernisi. She is the national correspondent who covers demographics and the lead writer for the New York Times on the census. Uh, also with us is Professor Allison Gemmel. She is an assistant professor in the Department of Population, Family, and Reproductive Health at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. We're talking about The latest news uh, out of the census, which is that the birth rate here in America continues to decline as people, younger people, delay the decision to start families and as more people decide that they are not going to start families at all, that they are not going to have children. We want to hear from you. Um, We want to hear from you about how you're thinking through uh, these questions. Are you somebody who's on the verge of starting a family. Uh, Call and tell us why. Why have you chosen now? uh, And how you think of all of the complications that exist in our country around having children, uh, the economic stressors, the social stressors. Um, Also give us a call and let us know if you're somebody who is absolutely not going to have children uh, against the idea of starting a family. Tell us why that's true as well. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter and put comments there, and we'll try to include you in the conversation. Let's go to Jean in Northville. Jean, welcome to the show. Hi there. Thank you. Um, I am 41 years old, and I um, have five children. Um, My youngest is one year. Um, I had my first child at 25, and they kind of all spread out in between. And um, I just wanted to share, for us, having a larger family has worked, but it's been because of some significant economic opportunities. Hmm. We did not have college loans. 
um, we have the opportunity for our parents to help provide child care, so we didn't have that high cost. Mm -hmm. So many of those economic burdens that other people face, we were lucky not to have, and that has allowed us to have you know, the large family that we were hoping for. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really interesting counter counterpoint or counterexample. Uh, Jean, I'm really glad you called and, and talked about that. Uh, Professor Gemmel, this kind of suggests, at least Jean's case, suggests that if, if you remove some of these challenges or burdens, that perhaps more people would make different choices. I'm not sure if the numbers would bear that out, but, but they did in Jean's case. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, I definitely I think childcare comes up a lot, and you know, as a mother of two young children, I can say that the amount I pay in childcare is the same as a rent or a mortgage payment. It is pretty substantial. Yeah. So wow. yeah, having grandparent support is really important, but for some people that's not feasible, especially if they live away from their childhood homes. Um, yeah, I, I do want to say, too, I didn't mention this. While intentions are down, when we ask Americans what they think the ideal family size is, it's actually creeped up to three. Hmm. So um, it makes you think that if we removed barriers, economic and added more supports for people, that maybe we would see larger families. Hmm. Wow. Uh, again, Jean, thanks very much for the call and the the, the example. Let's go to Rick in Ann Arbor. Rick, what's on your mind? You there, hey, Rick? I just wanted, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, good, good morning. Hey, I just wanted to see if there was any correlation between marriage rates and birth rates. Hmm. Are, are young children, you know, family, are people thinking of that formula anymore? Huh. I, have three, I have three younger kids, and I don't think any of them are planning on getting married and having kids. Wow. Uh, Rick, that's a great question, and I'm glad you called and asked it. Uh, Professor Gemmel, I think this is probably your bailiwick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's it's interesting. Marriage is increasingly something that um, higher educated and, and wealthier people are doing. So it's becoming a more selected phenomenon. Um, so unfortunately, there's a lot of barriers to marriage for some reason, and um, the correlation between marriage and, and fertility is actually not that strong in the U.S. We have a lot of births that occur to unmarried women. And a lot of those women that are unmarried, it's not that they're necessarily single living on their own. It's just that cohabitation is becoming more of a norm rather than cohabitation with marriage. Uh, again, uh, Rick, thanks very much for the call and, uh, and the great question. Let's go to John and Jefferson Chalmers. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. So I just returned from visiting my 87-year-old mother this weekend and uh, had this conversation with her. We had five mm -hmm. children, and she only has two grandchildren, and I asked her about it. And uh, she's not upset. Actually, she likes the life she has a lot better. She uh, thought things were going to be different. But my question is, what's the problem with no population rise? <laughs> Why do we have to keep sprawling? I know the answer, because... Everything's built on a pyramid scheme, including Social Security. Everything has to have more mm. to feed the top. Uh, that's a really interesting perspective, John, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure I agree with it, but I think it's a really it's a really provocative point. Um, uh, Sabrina, can can you address this idea of, I guess, from a government perspective? 
uh, whether whether there's an incentive to try to get people to have more children. I mean, as we get the census numbers, is there a sense, um, you know, among government officials that that this is a problem? Uh, maybe for the reasons that John stated, or maybe maybe for some other reasons. Well, I like the way John, uh, John, I liked how you um, asked your 87-year-old mother if she minded that she only had two <laughs> grandchildren, because it is, it's, inter- it's an interesting question. I mean, mm-hmm. I wonder that with my own, with my own mother. And, you know, um, it is true that, that this generation is, is just, you know, there aren't the kind of, you know, certainly compared to the 1950s or 1960s, the kind of, you know, bevy of grandchildren that there used to be. And kind of, you know, and, and, and it's a great question. Like, is that bad? Maybe not, right? Um, I think, you know, if you ask economists, you know, there are economic implications to having a population that has a lot of aging folks at the top and not that many working age folks at the bottom mm-hmm. of the age of the age bracket because, you know, you don't have enough people um, of working age that are kind of working and paying taxes to support the social programs that the older folks need. Now, having said that, um, you know, the U.S. is nowhere near uh, kind of a, a situation like that. I mean, there are, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of edging that way, but this is, this is a problem that countries in Europe, particularly Southern Europe and Japan, has been wrestling with for a very long time. And the U.S. has actually had a relatively high birth rate compared to these places. Um, so this kind of a recent sort of chunk down that we've done um, has only really been catching up to stuff that has been happening in Europe and East Asia for a very long time. Mm. Um, you know, as to um, the kind of um, the question of whether of whether it's bad, I mean, I think that as exactly as Professor Gemmel said, you know, the thing that you want is for families to be able to have the number of kids families want. And if the number of kids families want is less, then that's not bad, particularly if there's not this kind of economic danger going on because the decline isn't actually that steep. Um, so, you know, maybe and, and there's another argument which which um, uh, which goes, you know, this is potentially also about women having more access to better birth control and mm-hmm. having you know, frankly, more control and agency over their fertility and their futures. And that's also not a bad thing, right? We want women to be able to have children when they want to have children, not just when it happens. So I think that there are counter arguments um, and that perhaps, you know, I think I think Professor Gemmel has potentially written about this maybe, uh, but that the hand-wringing about the decline of the birth rate is perhaps slightly misplaced. Mm. Mm. Again, John, really appreciate the call and uh, the really provocative thought there. Let's go to Hamag in Canton. Hamag, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, good morning. Hey, I uh, just wanted to uh, add a bit of an insight uh, and experience that we had uh, when we had our first kid. So my wife was working as a consultant, and uh, she, uh, when she broke the news that uh, we are expecting, uh, she, uh, like her contract was uh, terminated. And uh, because uh, like she, that was a contract position, so there was no family protection uh, mm. under that law. And now that uh, it's becoming more evident that we are going into the gig economy era, so how that gig industry is going to shape up and how the FMLA uh, law would actually provide the support to uh, uh, to moms, uh, like expecting moms uh, who are uh, interested in growing their families. I mean, like, uh, that's a bit concerning. And uh, 
in our case, it was a bit complicated because uh, we are uh, we were on uh, work visa here, mm-hmm. and uh, our work visa were tied with the work. So when we were planning for our second kid, we had to actually think about it a bit carefully. Okay, well, how it will roll out, how it will work out, and would that, would that change anything in terms of our work visa? Right, right. Yeah, Hamag, I really, I really appreciate the call and and your your sharing this example, um, uh, Professor Gemmel. I, I wonder if you can talk. I, I think there's a tension between, um, and maybe not a tension, but there's certainly a distinction between uh, the 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 economic sort of uh, advancement of of women, right, uh, in, in the workplace, and that effect on on birth rates and what Hamag is talking about, which is, you know, these, these other parts of the economy that have uh, cropped up and add their own stressors to the idea of, of having families. The, the combination, I think, is sort of bodes very poorly for the idea of population growth. If you have both of those things going on, it'd be really hard uh, to get more people to have kids. Right. So there's this idea that there are two Americas, right? On the one hand, you have, especially when we're thinking about women, they're, you know, they're more and more likely to get a college degree and then have their careers. So they're waiting to have kids. But on the other hand, he's exactly right. We're seeing this increase in the gig economy. We're seeing an increase in shift work. And this is where I'm a little concerned and where we don't have a lot of research. Um, and if you think about what he said, it makes sense in that children are a huge investment. And so you want to make sure that you have some sort of stability to take on that investment. And so um, he's, he's exactly right. And this is, these are um, future directions in research, especially considering this idea of two Americas that I'm really into um, investigating in the, in the, or further. Mm, yeah. Uh, Hamag, uh, thanks very much for the call uh, and the example. Let's quickly go to Elena in Southwest Detroit. Elena, I've got about uh, 30 seconds left. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, the reason I don't get to have more grandchildren, I believe, in this order is student debt mm. and climate change. But also, there won't be any Social Security for the next generation. And I'm really blessed that I have older daughters that were able to have kids before the country truly began to eat its young. Mm. Yeah, Elena, I hope you're not right about uh, Social Security, that, it, that, that it's going to go away. Um, uh, Sabrina, can you talk a little about the, the effect of things like that on, on population growth? Uh, well, student debt, um, so I'm, this is um, slightly, uh, slightly away from my area of expertise. <laughs> I know that a lot of women I've interviewed do talk about student debt and mm-hmm. that that is, um, you know, a big stress and that is some, a reason why uh, they are delaying. I do not know whether that is, you know, the, re- the, the big main driver of, of, of what's going on right now. I mean, you know, one third um, of of Americans have uh, bachelor's degrees. Mm-hmm. Two thirds do not. Um, you know, so no, so not everybody um, is in this has this student debt problem. Um, yet, you know, there is a very big, very broad population wide delay um, among women in their twenties, and so that still is kind of, you know, 
the student debt and, and, the, and the rise of that is obviously a big, huge new problem. Um, and it obviously is part of what's going on, but, but how much of what of, of, of a driver it is, we don't yet know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sabrina Tavernisi and Allison Gemmel, it was really great to have both of you here with us for this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. That is going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET FM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.